Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Good morning. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, it is so good to sing of your presence that you are with us. I pray that we would make room for you. I pray that our eyes and our ears and our hearts would be open. Speak that we may hear you. Help us, Lord, to live in your ways. Amen. On the 28th of December of 2023, my grandchildren left the premises. We had a week of festivities and fun and eating and laughter, but it's often the case with small children. Things come out of the nose, and when they come out of the nose, they get on the hands, and we don't use Kleenex or anything of that sort, but we rub it on our clothing or furniture or whatever else is around. So residue of these germs was everywhere, and I knew, because it's often the case, when they visit, I will then get sick. My husband did as well. So it started with a fever, and then I got the sore throat, and then it went into coughing, and then the respiratory infection, and the whole full blown out whatever it is these days with RSV and COVID and who knows what else. So often, I have autoimmune disease and I have severe asthma, I have to resort to prednisone. And prednisone is a steroid. And um, so I have this love-hate relationship with it because it does help me get over illness, but it does have side effects. And so this time, this bout of prednisone, I experienced something I never have before. I'm going to call it the prednisone high. In the stupor of medication and illness, I became obsessed frenetically cleaning my house in ways, you know, I was just like, I'm watching myself because I'm sick. I don't feel well, but I can't stop myself. And so I'm going around the house cleaning, and I'm pouring baking soda and, um, oh, help me, vinegar down the drains, and then I'm pouring the boiling water after it, and then I'm cleaning the um, dishwasher, which out here is a necessity, another thing from the desert. We never had to do these things. So, you know, there's all these things I'm doing, and I had this list of stuff. I put together a shower caddy and put it on, you know, it had been sitting around for a month, finally put it together, stuck it in the shower where it needed to be, and it was just this, you know, I was in this stupor of cleaning, and Tom's looking at me like, you know, and then on top of it, our, our washing machine had broke. Um, well, we thought it had broke. So we had towels in the um, bathtub, and we had all this bedding and all these germs everywhere. And I finally, like, I can't stand this. So I sent him to the laundromat, and he, being the gracious man he is, went along with it. And um, in the midst of it, as I'm watching myself in this hyperspace of cleaning, I was chewing on today's message. And one of the practices I've been really focusing on this year is presence. So it's the habit of not anticipating what's coming or looking back, but in the moment. And in this moment of me cleaning like crazy, a thought came to my head. What in my life is clogging my faith? Like the drain, you know, 
there's all sorts of muck and stuff that grows in there if we don't keep it clean. But the thought occurred to me, what is mucking up my faith? What is getting in the way of my relationship with God? I felt a deeper invitation to investigate. Richard Rohr is a... um, a contemplative, and he has this blog, and he's focused this year on faith, and he uses the term resilience. So faith, resilience are becoming one and the same. And he had asked writer Alice Updike Scannell to write for him, and she writes this. We usually think of resilience as the ability to recover from an adverse experience and pick up our lives where we left off. It is that, too. But there are times when adversity permanently changes our reality, and we can't go back to the way things were. Resilience then becomes the work of coming through the adversity so that at least on many days, we see our life as still worth living. With this kind of resilience, we come through the adversity knowing that we're still ourselves, even though things are very different for us now. She calls this radical resilience. With all the mess of the last several years, the question begs to be asked, what is interfering with our faith, our resilience? What sustains me and keeps me from despair, especially when our lives have changed drastically and this new reality is not what we expected at all? I had to investigate my faith, what's holding it up. And then the profound message of Psalm 139. This passage invites me into the mystery and wonder of creation and upcoming birth. The psalmist is overwhelmed and in awe with the knowledge of a God who creates and weaves them together in great intimacy. Lord, you have searched me. And know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Who knows me? Us, you, like that. Who sees with eyes wide open our mix of divine presence and broken humanity and does not run? There is nothing about me that is not unknown. God knew from the very spark of my life what I would become and the story I would live. And in my moments of wretchedness, God was still with me. You trace my journeys, my resting places, and are acquainted with all my ways. I don't know if you've noticed the story of Samuel seems to be creeping up a lot this year in our messages of late, but the narrative speaks of a God who sees. God sees Eli's poor parenting and pronounces judgment. God sees Samuel and calls him. God sees Hannah and hears her cries from a vacant womb and provides a son that she dedicates to Jehovah. The omniscient one knew Eli, Samuel, and Hannah. God was with all of them. Indeed, there is not a word on my lips, but you, O Lord, know it all together. And John's gospel, Nathanael asks, can anything come, good come out of Nazareth? And when Jesus sees Nathanael, he remarks, he is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael wondered, where did you get to know me? 
And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael responds in amazement. For who knit me together and made me who I am, that you and I as children would be designed and created by God as exclusive, unique image bearers of that which is most brilliant and beautiful. God created us in the image that is above all and every good thing on earth. Our very creation was clearly not hidden from God. Nothing was outside of God's sight. But not just out of sight, but mystically weaving and winding our genetics, chromosomes, and DNA into the stamp of our existence. And from the womb, the fount of life whispers, I am here. God began a holy dance of life and beauty while in mystery we were being formed in love, gentleness, and deep and intimate presence. Where can I go from your presence, Lord? I cannot escape, for thou art with me. Thy rod and staff protect me. You lead me by still waters. You bring all things together for good. And even when I lose sight of your sight, you never move from me. Lo, you are with me till the end of the age. Psalm 27.10, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen and help you. Isaiah 49.16, behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The charge of faith, resilience, can only be fueled and continued by the knowledge that Emmanuel is indeed with us. Epiphany, to me, is a crystal moment of clarity of God's preeminence in the here and now. It is a divine intersection of my humanity with the clear lightning revelation that God is with us. And this is most accurate. God came to earth, embodied in the form of Jesus Christ, the human Son, who walked and breathed among us and taught us. And those who saw and embraced the God who is with us were and are most profoundly blessed. God, who has always been existing in our midst in a triune unknowingness, writes an exclamation mark, a stake of profound power that God has never abandoned or forsaken us, but is truly among us. All with the resounding amen of heaven's chorus. But then comes the question, do I believe this? And if so, how do I live with this profound reality? I was talking to a dear friend this last week, and we both wondered, with all the grief and loss of these years and the lack of really comprehension or understanding of what is going on, might we have forgotten on some level or lost the wonder of Emmanuel? Grabbing hold of faith is based on God's invitation to relationship. How then are we practicing, remembering, encouraging, and investing in the presence of God? I can name a lot of ways how we might be distracted. 
but I believe you all know what is yours. But what is it that might be keeping us from living in step with the Spirit? In this room of the most highly educated people in a community I've ever been a part of, I don't need to spell out any practices or examines or any of the ways with God, but are we consistent in them? God grabbed my attention the other day in the midst of illness, prednisone, and cleaning. This is how God works within and in. And a picture was planted in my head. It's not, it's me looking now down at a very clean drain, and God is peering at the bottom. And, you know, I'm, I'm still here, Lori. And it's comical, but thankfully God knows that would amuse me, but it also would make a point. Lori, I'm here. I've always been here. You're not alone. Augustine writes, For this reason, of course, it was not enough for Jesus to say, I will that where I am they may also be. But he added, with me. For to be with him is a great good. The struggle we have of these trials, we must know that we are not alone. God is with us. The secular world wants you to believe you're isolated, that you're unseen and unloved, that all your work is never enough. But the Mighty One loudly proclaims through Jesus Christ, I am here. Paul J. Pastor writes in the face of the deep, The Spirit is near here, whether in fire, wind, quake, or the thin voice of silence. God may be found by those who reach out. This closeness is not easy for us, for questions will be asked that we do not want to answer. But God's presence is life, waiting patiently for all who will turn. Even when we grope feeling blindly in cave or crevice, the Spirit is not far away. God is who moves within, lives within, in whom we find our being. The creator and sustainer, limitlessly infinite to every one of us, and choosing to reveal self in love and kindness. I am one who has struggled with abandonment most of my life. The news of Psalm 139 permeates in the person of Jesus Christ. We are indeed wondrously created in a magnificent bonding with God Almighty. William Berry writes, Whether we are aware of it or not, at every moment of our existence, we are encountering God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is trying to catch our attention, trying to draw us into a reciprocal, conscious relationship. I do not believe I am alone in the forgetting of God's holding of my life. It is in these moments that my faith gets quaky or I go into despair. The overcomer is with me, is with you, and is in us, guiding us. And like the psalmist, we can marvel at the wonder of it all. And the one who can use all things is not prevented from truth marrow work even while under the influence of prednisone. I'd like to um, 
Bliss had sent this week, um, I don't know if you were able to read it, um, a prayer from Carl Rahner. And it was so appropriate, I thought it'd be great if um, you would join me in prayer as I read this. I should like to bring the routine of my daily life before you, O Lord, to discuss the long days and tedious hours that are filled with everything else but you. Look at this routine, O God of mildness. Look upon us who are practically nothing else but routine. In your loving mercy, look at my soul, a road crowded by a dense and endless column of bedraggled refugees, a bomb-packed highway on which countless trivialities, much empty talk and pointless activity, idle curiosity, and ludicrous pretensions of importance all row forward in a never-ending stream. Before you, all multiplicity becomes one in you. All that has been scattered is reunited in your love. All that has been merely external is made again true and genuine. In your love, all the diffusion of the day's chores come home together to the evening of your unity, which is eternal life. This love, which can allow my daily routine to remain routine and still transform it into a homecoming to you, this love only you can give. So what should I say to you now as I come to lay my everyday routine before you? There is only one thing I can beg for, and that is your most ordinary and most exalted gift, the grace of your love. Touch my heart with this grace, O Lord, when I reach out in joy or in sorrow for the things of this world, grant that through them I may know and love you, their maker and final home. You who are love itself, give me the grace of love. Give me yourself, so that all my days may finally empty into the one day of your eternal life. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.